Amen. Okay, yeah, let's make some noise. We had some folks sleep in. My watch still says 9.07 here, so... Uh, and it's, You guys made it and lost an hour. That's awesome. Always on time. Come from Virginia. If they can make it, man, we can make it from Miller's Creek or Moravian Falls and um, Statesville or wherever, but... We want to just celebrate Jesus. I believe this is going to be ordained. I've always felt that when we come to these gatherings, I know that you get in the habit of going to church and all that, but I just have always prayed, God, have those there that you've ordained to be there. And, Lord, most of all, let your presence come. And I, we don't just, you know, we're not flippantly wandering around in life. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and he delights in their ways. And though we fall will not be cast down, for the Lord upholdeth us with his hands. And so, Lord, we thank you for this day, God, this unique day in history. And we just um, we ask, God, that you flood this place with your glory. Lord, over the worship, over the ministry of the word, and all that we do today, that your son would be exalted. We purpose in our heart to lift Jesus up. And you said you would draw us to yourself, Lord. And we thank you for this day, the grace for this day, in Jesus' name. Amen.
prayer this morning that we could have your vision. Lord, take us higher than ourselves today. Take us out of what we're in and up to see things from your elevation, Lord. Lord, we want to see things from an elevated position this morning, from heavenly places.
changed by you this morning, Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place today. Holy Spirit, more importantly, have your way in this place today. In my heart, Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way in my heart. Do not let me leave here unchanged.
remember. So the Lord was talking to me while I was even saying that. Sometimes it's confusing for me, but <laughs> felt like the Lord said, Do you see all the things that I've done? And is your problem really that big? It seems like it, man. When you're in it, goodness gracious. It seems like creating the world would be a small task compared to solving my issues. You know? The Lord was quick to remind and say, Really, is your problem that big? I created everything you're looking at. This building was built by the hands of man, but the steel in this building, God made it. The components that go into concrete that we stand on, God made it. it reminds me of the joke of the uh, uh, the atheist having the argument with God and saying, you know, basically trying to argue that God is not who He says He was. And He says, "Okay, well, let's have a competition. Let's create something." So the earth, uh, the atheist scoops up a handful of dirt, and God says, "Wait a minute, that's mine. <laughs> I made it. Get your own dirt." He is big enough this morning for whatever you brought in with you. Sometimes we need to really remember that. Who He is and what He is capable of. Is that you who made the world in six days? Is that you parted the seas? Yes, it was.
Thank you, Lord. Hey, I want us to do something. Um, let's go into intercession. He said, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And that's part of our calling, our commission. And obviously, the nation of Japan needs intercession. You know the flag. It's the white with the red dot over there. But let's pray for that, uh, those nuclear reactors that there would be no more radiation leak okay we can pray we can we can have great impact here in Wilkesboro North Carolina let's pray for those that um, you know still maybe they're alive but they're somewhere in the rubble let's pray for grace for the rescuers that God would save them rescue them and uh, just pour out his spirit on that land um, let's let's do what we often do just gather together in pockets of three four five six and let's just pray together and and I'm going to ask John to come up in a minute. Just lead us corporately. But just allow the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom as to how to pray. We really don't know how to pray. We know some things, but he'll give us intercession. Pray for the church in Japan, that this would be their shining moment, that this would be their hour.
Father, we lift up the nation of Japan before your throne of grace. Lord, we know that you have mercy in store for every nation of the earth. And Lord, you love this people. And Father, we know that you sometimes shake a land. There's a purpose in it, a divine kingdom purpose in it. And sometimes it's to shake the land that Buddhist temples can be shaken out, can be fluttered away. That Japan would know that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, you have people there that love you. You have people there that don't know you. You have missionaries that have been sent from foreign lands to go and work in that soil and in that harvest. Father, we pray, uh, Lord, for fresh drinking water to be restored to the people. Uh, Lord, that they would have fresh water and fresh food. We pray for those that are under rubble, Lord, in very, very cold, cold weather. And they're waiting and waiting for rescuers to come and save them. We pray for the saving grace of God that you would save them and find them, Lord, under the rubble. I pray, Lord, for those that are wondering, is there anybody? Is there anybody that cares? Is there anybody? Is there a God? Is there really a God? I'm in desperate need right now. Is there really a God? I pray as they cry out from the nation of Japan, Father, you would hear their cries and you would send a deliverer. You would send a deliverer. And, Lord, find them under the rubble. I pray, Lord, no more of these leaks and, Lord, these meltdowns in the nuclear power plant. Father, even as the land is still shaking, Lord, they're getting 5.5s and 6.5s about every 30 minutes to an hour for 30 hours. Father, I pray specifically for Timothy Snodgrass, who's stuck in the uh, uh, international airport in Tokyo for days. He said, please pray that the building doesn't collapse. P please pray. Lord, he was just here in Moravian Falls a couple years ago. Timothy Snodgrass. We ask you, Lord, to protect him and his team. Lord, they didn't have anything but a bottle of water. He said, I'm using it sparingly. Lord, so many desperate people, so many desperate people. And Lord Jesus, you died on that cross to save this people. Save them, Lord. Save them. Save Japan and revive that land. Lord, turn this darkness and turn this shaking that they could shake away the false structures and the false gods that they might see that there's a real God. There's a true and living God, the God of Israel, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we speak blessings over this land. We decree the light of the Lord would now shine upon that land. In Jesus' name, amen. So Scott's going to make his way on up here right now. We, uh, we feel like part of the calling on this area is help people you know, become as self-sufficient as possible. Um, grow gardens, and that's why we're doing stuff like that. And, um, you know, just think, this week, I had to go back to Louisiana a couple of times here recently. You know, my dad's in the hospital and stuff. And they had tornadoes down there, and there were people killed. We've, we got flash floods in the Northeast. There are wildfires in the Midwest. We've had, uh, of course, the tsunami that everybody knows about, earthquakes, a lot of natural disasters. Things can happen. And Rick has always encouraged people to have at least minimum three-week food supply in case of some emergency. He's asking, really encouraging for much, much more than that. We've encouraged people much more than three weeks. That should just be something in the past. You should be way beyond that. And, uh, but, and if you haven't started, just start buying a little extra for many reasons uh, today. And uh, we're not fearful. We're people of faith. But we want to be always part of the solution, not the problem. Instead of standing in lines waiting for food, we would like to form our own line. 
And when we run out, we ask God just to supernaturally multiply. He's going to do stuff like that. And, uh, but with food, we can store up some cans of food. But what about water? What do you do when, you know, something happened? You know, well, there's answer. There are answers, and that's what Scott's going to come and give us a little demonstration about. Give him a hand. He's a good guy. <laughs> Thanks, David. Uh, basically, like David said, the, uh, the idea of storing water can become very complicated. Um, you can only store so much. It goes bad. You need to change it. You worry about the quality of it. Around here in this area, we have pretty good access to water. There's a lot of streams, a lot of lakes, a lot of ponds, but you just need to filter it. Uh, where I come from, originally in the Southern California area, it's basically the desert. We worried more about storing water and having enough on hand to get through a few weeks, and that was a whole different thing. But around here, there's plenty of water. So the idea is to have a decent filter so that you can filter the water. Now, there's a, a gal in Fort Mill, Laura Kunze. She spoke here before in some disaster preparedness. We've done some training down in Fort Mill with disaster preparedness and CERT training and SISM and all those things. Uh, she has a website. It's called Zebgear, Z-E-B-G-E-A-R, Zebgear.com. And uh, she has various supplies and equipment, and you can buy food storage. And one of the really important things is water filters. And she has found a supplier of filters. Let me get this out here. And it's a, it's a Sawyer water filter. The uh, technology of this filter is from dialysis machines. It's called a hollow tube technology. It will take all viruses, all cysts, everything out of the water. It's better than the, the ceramic filters that a lot of you are familiar with. Now, years ago when I backpacked with my sons who were in scouting, that kind of thing, we always had our little uh, ceramic filters for lakes and ponds. And those are great, but they clog up. You have to clean them. They wear out after a while. This uh, hollow tube technology does not wear out. This filter will basically go a million plus gallons. It will clog up, it has to be back flush, but then it's operational again. It's a very simple, very simple process. This filter kit is the one that, that we keep just for uh, large quantities of water. This filter will do about five gallons in 15 minutes. Now, the kit doesn't come with the bucket, the bucket you add on. It's just a food grade bucket. You can get these in, in various places. Laura does sell them on her site. I found this at Frank's tool supply up here in 268. And when he has them in stock, they're about a buck and a half. You don't want to use paint buckets because this is what your water is going to go into. Now, the system is very simple. This becomes your, your storage for dirty water. Filter hooks up through a hole. There's instructions in these kits. And basically, you pour your dirty water into this and your filter and hose, and you get clean water out. You can even do pond water, green, scummy water. This will, this will make it pure, clean. Like I say, it'll do about five gallons in 15 minutes. So you can supply, as David said, sharing with our neighbors, our food supplies, water supply. This filter is great for a family. It's good for a large group, too. It's a lot of water. I mean, they talk in disaster preparedness. You basically need about a gallon of water a day per person for your basic minimum survival. That's drinking and hygiene. 
you need about a half a gallon a day just for basic survival if you're not doing a lot of uh, physical activity. Sawyer also, I mean, this whole kit comes in this little box here. There goes my filter. And uh, you need a bucket and you're ready to go. We keep this just as our to stay type of uh, disaster preparedness kit. I know a lot of people that are into that also think of, if I'm going to have to evacuate and leave an area. Now, and that does happen. You, you'll look at like the nuclear disasters are having there. We have some nuclear power plants around South Carolina, North Carolina border down there by the lake. We're within 100 miles of the, uh, the reactor on Lake uh, Norman. And if there was an issue, you might have to leave this area and go north, because they talked about a 150-mile radius there in Japan. They were trying to clear people out of the area. So we'd be evacuated from this area. You want to have something you can take on the go and get water and stop wherever you may have to stop. And Sawyer sells a smaller kit. It's made for camping and backpacking, and it has a small bladder, another one. And it's the same type of filter. It's just a smaller device that you could throw in your, your uh, to-go backpack. In the world of disaster preparedness, it's, it's be prepared to go, which means to have a to-go bag. Be prepared to stay, which is your home supplies, your food, a good water filter. And be prepared to serve, and that's serve your neighbors and your family. So those are the kind of things you got to think of. Laura has a lot of good information on her website. It's zebgear.com. Uh, Kathy's going to put a link up on, on the uh, family gathering stuff. The email goes out this week. I'll send it to her. I was going to try to show the video, but with technical things, we didn't get a chance to do it. It's a real basic, explains the technology, the filter, and how it works. Uh, and that's it. Thank you, David. Thanks, Scott. And if you have questions, you can see Scott after, and uh, he'll help you get connected to that website. And uh, that's part of the ministry of the church in the times we live. Now, we're not predicting natural disasters. The Lord already beat us to it. He said there's going to be earthquakes, famine, all these things. And so we're just a people prepared and ready to advance the kingdom. And uh, because we are, as was sung this morning, we're to be arising in this time. And uh, you guys are doing that. Okay, let's uh, take our offering this morning. Anybody need a cash envelope for a cash offering? Raise your hand and our ushers will give you... A cash, give you an envelope for that. We also want to welcome our web streamers, and uh, we appreciate you being a part of our family. We've noticed each week we have, there's an ability to find out how many are watching in, and it's increasing every week. A couple weeks ago, there were like 350 or something like that. And, and uh, so whatever you see here, there's more than meets the eyes. But we still have a bunch of chairs in this place, so if you guys, you know, if you live close by, we want you to come be here. Now, that's another issue with rising gas prices. There may be times, you know, you may not be able to get here. We are on web streaming. And uh, so that's pretty neat. God knew all this stuff. He's setting us up because the greatest days to be a believer are right in front of us. And you're right on time in history. God's chosen you. He's commissioned us, called us, fill us. He's filling us up with more of himself so we'll have an answer for those in great need. Everybody in agreement with that? And uh, I'm serious about that. This is our time. Say it's my time. It is. It is. 
Okay, we're going to, these guys have something for the offering. Let's go ahead and pass out the buckets. Write a checks, write them out to Morningstar. Web streamers also, if you ever, the Lord prompts you to donate to be a part of this ministry and help support the web streaming, there's a donate button. We'd like to buy this building. If anybody would like to donate, uh, hey, I believe God can do stuff like that. So, in fact, somebody told me, someone may be watching one day that has the ability to take care of this. So, uh, help. Obey the Lord. Okay. Show 
introduce our speaker in just a moment. Um, she did. I don't think she wanted me to mention this, but uh, Ann Roundtree's had surgery, so we want to pray for her. Pray that God would heal her quickly. And how many of you know somebody that needs healing this morning? I do. My mom and dad. <laughs> but there's a bunch of folks. So let's just pray that God would visit them where they are, okay? And, and Lord, we just do pray. Lord, we thank you. You are the God that healeth. Lord, you the... There's nothing impossible with you, Lord. We ask you to touch Anne this morning, right where she is. Lord, that you would quickly restore her from this hip surgery. Heal her, Lord, completely. Lord, give her grace through the therapy. Lord, let there be a great uh, ability to just uh, to go through that with an incredible grace, ease, and as painless as possible, Lord. Lord, those that are in hospitals right now, our friends, relatives, we pray for the power of Jesus to be poured out. Healing power right now, Lord, to touch those and raise them up for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, hey, our speaker this morning is Chris Taylor. He and Jenny are working with our youth and been seeing some great things. So welcome him again. Go for it, guys. All right. Good morning. Who's missing that extra hour of sleep? Oh, man. I'm feeling it. Goodness gracious. We stayed up late anyway last night because we had uh, Citywide, and uh, man, the Lord's doing good stuff. I mean, He is really, really touching kids. I know Tarina came last night, and she had been to probably one of the first ones, and then when she came last night, last night was the fifth one we had done, and she could tell, you know, a, a, a progression, and the kids are just really getting into it, and uh, so... Goodness gracious, you guys are a part of that, so y'all please back us up in prayer for, for this city. Um, we love our kids here, but we're, we're not stopping with our kids, and we're not stopping with this church. We are really actually spreading out to the city, uh, which to me is just amazing. I, I mean, that's, that's something that doesn't happen in every town. So I think God's doing something special. But anyway, um, how many of you guys were here the last time I spoke? It was a little while back, two or three months. Anybody... Um, I want to do just a very probably five-minute quick review because today is going to kind of be part two of that. Uh, I didn't really intend on being part two, but it's just the same flow. Right where we left off is where we're going to continue. And uh, so I want to just uh, pray first. Uh, we'll just jump right into this. Lord, we just love you so much, Jesus. You are the reason, God, that we live. Lord, our lives would be just absolutely pointless without you, God. There would be no reason. But, Lord, you and your awesome, great love, God, you came down and you rescued us, Lord, from ourselves. And you've given us a hope and you've given us a future and you've given us a life worth living. And, God, we just thank you for that. And, Lord, this morning I ask you, God, Lord, to anoint my, my mouth, my lips, Lord, this morning to speak your word. I know you've given me a very clear word this morning. Lord, let it come out as you intend, nothing more and nothing less. And I pray for everyone here, God, that they would have ears to hear, Lord, that they would be awake and alert and mindful, Lord, to hear your word, God, so that we can obey it. In Jesus' name. Man, I'll tell you what, the Lord has been uh, dealing with me for at least a month about this morning. And uh, I really do feel like I have a very specific word, and it was funny. Um, you know, Facebook is now how we all keep in touch, right? Um, so... I was seeing Facebook messages this week that was actually uh, a preview of my message this morning. So, I mean, it, it, it's the Lord's speaking, and it's happening. So I'm just going to kind of confirm some stuff this morning. 
But I'm going to do a real quick review. You remember the first thing that we talked about last time was the very last words Jesus ever said. Does anybody remember? I love quizzing people to see if you actually heard it. Does anybody remember the very last words Jesus said? Come on, you got to speak up. I'm a drummer. I'm half deaf. John wasn't here. That was the answers that we got that day, too. And this is what was shocking about it. The very last thing Jesus said before he ascended was this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then, of course, he says, you'll be my witnesses and, and the ripple effect. We know this. But here's what's amazing about that. We went through probably half of that message just talking about the power of God and, and our need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and to operate in that. And then in the altars, you know, we did that stuff. I mean, I figured if we preach about stuff, we should do it, right? So we had some power and some demonstration. The Holy Spirit was filling people up, and it was awesome. But the flip side of that message that we talked about, which is where we're going to continue today, was that the real bottom line is doing the will of the Father. We can have all the power in the world, and we can still be off track. And so I really want to be a person, and I want us to be a people that not only understand how to flow in the gifts because they're needed, they're desperately needed, but we have also got to flow in something greater than that, and that's in love. And I'm going to talk about that today, but I'm going to review the other main scripture that we talked about, which was Matthew 7, 21 through 23, and I'm going to read it in the message just because it's fun. It says, knowing the correct password, saying, Master, Master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience, doing what my Father wills. I can see it now at the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me saying, Master, we preached the message, we bashed the demons, our God-sponsored projects had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. Now, that's final judgment stuff. I mean, that's a scripture that scares me in a really good way. It's called the fear of the Lord. <laughs> there's a bad fear and there's a good fear. This is a good fear. But we're going to basically jump right off of that and keep going with where we were last time. And here's, here's the point. In this life, we have many responsibilities. We have many goals. We have many ambitions. We have many things to do. I'm one of the busiest guys I know. There's just tons to do and not enough time to do it. But the ultimate pursuit, if we're not careful, can be missed. And the, ult the ultimate pursuit is this. It is to know God and to love Him and to love others like He said to love. I mean, we know it's the greatest commandment. That is the greatest accomplishment. And I'll be honest with you, I'm 33. I've got lots of energy. Not this morning. I'm tired. But I usually have lots of energy and, you know, the whole world's before me, you know? I'm like, man, what do I want to do with my life and my time? I want to go conquer the world, right? But the Lord always tells me, yeah, we're going to do some cool stuff, but I really want you to learn how to love. <laughs> I mean, you understand what I'm saying. We can do the greatest of great things. And what did Paul say? If we don't do it in love, it is worthless. So in all of my drive and in all of my passion and all of that, the Lord is constantly tempering me, and I know he does it to all of us, to be... First and foremost, a person that loves God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and to love others as myself. Now, I have to give you this disclaimer. Just because I'm preaching this does not mean I'm great at it, okay? I want you to understand the preacher preaches to himself first and then to the rest. You understand that about preachers, right? We're usually preaching our message that the Lord's talking to us, and then we spread it with the rest. We just share. But here's the thing. 
I'm going to jump right into this now. Hey, as is my custom, if you have ever heard me speak, I go through tons of scripture. You may or may not be able to keep up, but my philosophy is this. The Word of God speaks for itself. I may add some commentary, but I'm not really going to reinvent the wheel, and I'm not really going to say anything more profound than the Word of God. So we're going to stick with the Word, and we're just going to let the Word penetrate into our hearts this morning. You guys cool with that? I'll give you scripture references if you want to speed flip with me, but we're just going to you know, rapid fire through some scriptures. Is that cool? You guys like the Bible? All right, good. We're going to do it. First one is uh, Matthew 22, verse 36, and this is the thing I just said about the greatest commandment. Uh, the guy came up to Jesus. He said, what's the greatest commandment? Red letters, Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. The Bible's a thick book, but it can really be summed up in two things, love God and love people. Now, there's a lot of detail in there you need to get, but I'm, I'm saying if you, if you just had to remember that part, that is the gist of it. The Bible and the Holy Spirit are here to help us to love God and help us to love people. It is the quest. It is the pursuit. It's the whole ballgame. Now, that scripture was not only in Matthew, it was in Mark and Luke as well, and it was actually a reference to Deuteronomy 6.5. That's where that came from. Jesus was constantly quoting the Old Testament. I'm going to read probably one of the most familiar. If you've ever been to a wedding, everybody's heard 1 Corinthians 13, right? It's in every wedding, and it's awesome. It's, it's one of my favorite scriptures. I'm going to read this in the message, too. It just highlights it, and everybody's read it in the other translations, I'm sure. So 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. And here's the point. No matter what I say, what I believe, or what I do, I am bankrupt without love. And I don't know if in the course of busy life we walk around thinking, I am bankrupt without love. I don't know if that's just in our all-the-time general consciousness. I mean, that's why we need to be reminded. That's why we have the Word and the Spirit to talk to us all the time. I'll be honest with you. I get so busy just doing what I have to do that sometimes the Lord just has to stop me in my tracks and get me recentered and get me refocused. Can anybody relate to that? And when He does that to me, He kind of just takes me right back here. It's all about love, man. And trust me, you guys know, I mean, I am all about the power, and I'm all about being productive. I'm all about taking over the world. But man, if we're not focused on this first, we're going to miss the boat. And I don't want to miss the boat. I'm just going to keep going because there's just lots of good scripture here. Actually, let me tell you one thing before I get too deep into this. The Lord told me something one time, and it, it really it perplexed me, it, it shocked me, and then I realized it was true. He said, many more people like me than people that love me. And I said, what? And I scratched my head, and I got to thinking about that. I said, well, I guess I better figure out the difference between like and love. Here's what I found out. Like is all about me. I like ice cream. Why? It makes me feel good. I mean, like is a selfish thing, right? Like is preferences and yeah, I like this and I don't like this. What you like is 100% entirely about you. Does that make sense? When you cross over into love, though, you take the position of the giver. 
So a lot of times I think that most people like God. He's very likable. He's a good guy. I mean, what's not to like? I mean, God is awesome. He helps me when I get in trouble. You know, crisis Christianity, I mean, I'm always in a mess, but God helps me, and then I get in another mess, and then he helps me. And I'm not saying, I mean, there, you start there, but then you hopefully progress to maturity. But what I'm saying is, we like him. He bails me out. Oh, God, I paid my tithe. Please help me. Oh, wow, I was able to pay that bill. He helps us. We like that. Who doesn't like God helping us? But I fear that sometimes we get stuck in like and may not go all the way into the next phase, which is love, which is where we have to start giving. And that's where some sacrifice starts coming in. And that's where maybe some pain that you don't want to feel comes in. And all these different things, because everybody in this room knows that is married, love is a two-way street. Yeah, it's, it's not all about you anymore. And I hate to break it to you, when you got saved, it stopped being all about you. <laughs> I mean, when you were a heathen, man, you had your time. Do what you want. Go crazy. It's all about you. But when you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, now you just walk down the aisle. And it ain't just about you anymore. There's somebody else involved, thank God. But you're hearing what I'm saying here. So here's the point that I'm going to get to. Everybody in this room is going to say, if I asked them, do you love God? Yes, I love God. Remember he asked Peter three times, and Peter got hurt by it. He got offended. You know, he's like... I told you I love you. But Jesus was trying to get down deep in there to his heart and his motives, which he does with us as well. Here's the test. You ready for this? This is the whole point of the message that I'm going to talk about today. Do you know what the true test of love is? I'm talking about loving God, and it bleeds over into loving people as well. But the true test of love is one thing, nothing less, nothing more, obedience. There's the give part. We got the like part down. We like what God gives to us, but sometimes we're not doing what he's requiring of us, which is the giving part. And that's our love back to him. I'll prove it to you. Here's a lot more scripture. John 14:15. This is Jesus' red letters. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I like it in the message. It says, if you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. It's easy. Now, now listen, let me, let me go ahead and give you a disclaimer. You guys know I'm a worship leader. Uh, my wife's a worship leader. We love music. We love worship. But I'm telling you, that stuff's worthless without obedience. That might sound a little bold, but I'm telling you, everybody can sing a good song, but what are you doing on Tuesday morning when it's hard and you've got to make some hard choices and you've got to say, am I going to do my thing or am I going to obey the Lord? That's where worship and love starts kicking in. But the music's good. I enjoy that too, but that's just a start. Let's keep going. John 14, 21. Jesus again, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. We'll keep going. 14, 23, and 24. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Now listen to this. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. I keep reading some more. John 15, 9 through 10. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So there's just this repetitive theme. This is ultra clear. I have a spiritual mentor in my life that, that cracks me up sometimes. I, I remember one day I was telling him a story 
about somebody that I knew that was just really struggling, and it was, it was, I said, but they love God so much, but they just can't ever seem to just, he said, no, they don't. I said, what do you mean? I said, no. I said, I know they love God. They worship when the worship music's going, and, and they get excited. He said, but do they follow him? Well, not really, but he says, well, then they don't love him. They like him. You, you getting what I'm saying? We like him, but do we love him? And I really, I, you got to understand, I'm not preaching at you. This is for all and for Internet, everybody in the world. This is humanity here. We've got to ask ourselves this question, do we really love him? So we're going to keep going. This is an amazing scripture to me. This is Jesus again. He was talking to his own people. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? That was Jesus. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house. It could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed and the ruin of that house was great. I'm telling you, obedience is the deal. I'm going to give you some more. Matthew 28, we all know this, it's the Great Commission. Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's your evangelism. And then secondly, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. There's the discipleship, the obedience part. He said, and lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age. That's the good part. I mean, he is with us in this. He helps us. We have the Holy Spirit constantly here. We're not on our own as orphans just saying, oh, God, I want to obey you. No, we have what it takes. He did not leave us down here as orphans. He gave us what we need. I'm going to read another one. This is First John. And I like John because, you know, he had the 70, and then he had the 12, and then he had the 3, and then he had John. John was the closest guy, you realize that. John even, it's funny, in his own book, he described himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He had a very lofty idea of how much him and Jesus were tight. But he was always the guy that was really close with Jesus. This is what John wrote about all this. He said, By this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar. Come on, John, you didn't say that. He just said, if you don't keep his commandments and you say you love him, you're a liar. Keep going. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as Jesus walked. And how did Jesus walk? In complete, total obedience to the Father. I mean, that's all he did. He didn't do anything other than what the Father said. And we did a lot of that on the last message. So I'm going to keep going with this. Now here's where I think that we get off. And I'm just going to give you kind of like I love Deborah's book, Epic Earth, because it gives you the real big picture. I'm going to give you a real big picture view right now of, of God. And this is how I explain it to young people. God is the perfect, awesome, loving Father who loves us way beyond anything that we deserve or could earn. I mean, we know this. But here's the other part that I think sometimes we miss. There was a rebellion in heaven. We all know that we have an adversary. We all know that the devil, Jesus said, I saw him fall like lightning from heaven. 
what really happened is there was a rebellion. There was an uprising. There was an insubordination. There was a time that the enemy exalted himself above God. And like that, he was out of there. He was gone. But see, here's what happened. Ever since that time, the enemy never quit leading that rebellion. His number one job, I tell young people this all the time, his number one job in life is to get you into a place of rebellion toward the Father. You've got you to gotta catch this. It is his number one thing. If he can get you, what did he say to Eve? Did God really say, trying to get her to doubt his intentions, get her to doubt his love for her. If you know you have a perfect loving father that only has your best interest, why would you not follow him? Why would you not obey a guy that you know is only out for what is absolutely best for you? It's because there's somebody over there tempting you to join in the rebellion. There is an enemy, there's an adversary, we know this, and there's a multitude of demons that, that try to drag us away from the love of the Father and take us into his rebellion against God. But see, we don't see it like that. Well, I'm not being rebellious. That's what the Bible says. It says we're obeying or we're rebelling. Let me read, this is just Webster's, but it's anointed. Obey, here's the definition of obey. To follow the commands or guidance of to conform to or comply with. That's what it means to obey. Rebel, here's what rebel means. To oppose or disobey one in authority or control. How many of us would agree that God is the ultimate authority, right? Okay, so that's where that rebellion comes from is because we're bucking against the ultimate authority in our lives. Here's the second definition. To renounce or resist by force the authority of one's government. Do you know that, that lost people do this like crazy? The Holy Spirit's just convicting them, he's after them, and they resist him with force. Have you ever seen somebody like the white knuckles on the pew and the preacher's trying to get somebody to come down and get saved? It is, a, it is a resisting by force until they finally cave in and God wins, and then they're like, oh, wow, this is great. Why didn't I do this like 20 years ago? But here's the thing. Second other definition here, to act in or show opposition or disobedience. Now this one's kind of shocking. To feel or exhibit anger or revulsion. Have you noticed that when you get rebellious, you usually get angry? Okay, here's, here's the test. Have you ever had somebody, I've had this, I told you about that spiritual mentor in my life. I gave him permission to call me out at any time on anything. I said, you have that right in my life. I'm not a lone ranger. You see me acting up, you bust my chops. We have that relationship. And here's the thing. Sometimes when he does it, I get this twinge of anger. And I know he's right, but it's rebellion popping up. When someone in authority is speaking the truth to you because they love you and you get that anger toward them, what is that? Come on, I'm trying to make this real. I'm being transparent here. We all deal with this. When somebody up here is preaching and you go, well, I don't like that, and you walk out mad, that's rebellion, man. And you ain't rebellion against the pastor. It's, it's the Bible. I mean, you know, we're not preaching our opinions up here. <laughs> it's the Bible. Anyway, so I'm just going to keep going. I'm trying to help you out, David. No, I'm just kidding. Um, let's, let's keep going with this. Uh, it's very clear in Scripture. There's a principle obedience unlocks the floodgates of blessings. And the opposite is also true. Disobedience and rebellion unlocks devastation. Think about a season in your life where maybe just things were really just 
I mean, one thing after another going bad, going bad, going bad, going bad, and things just couldn't get right. And then all of a sudden, maybe the Lord shows you one thing to change or to tweak, and you start walking in obedience in that area, and then things just straighten out. Have you ever had that experience? Where the Lord just convicts you, you deal with something, and then things turn around? It's called repentance. And that's what we all need to be doing all the time. But here's the principle. As we learn to obey Father God, He blesses us abundantly. I mean, God blesses obedience. We know this. But the part that's not as popular is that disobedience and rebellion automatically brings curses into our life. See, people think, oh, well, God's punishing me. No, it is a cause and effect, natural thing. It's going to happen. You do this, you get that. You do this, you get that. It is cause and effect. Don't blame God for your disobedience. It's cause and effect. Is that making sense? I'm going to keep going with this. Uh, I'm just going to skip a few scriptures here. I've got all these things in Exodus. You know, I've got when the Lord gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. I will at least share this part. Right in the middle of the Ten Commandments, it's like God pauses for just a minute, and this is what he says. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Now that's packaged right in the middle of the fourth commandment and the fifth commandment. He was going right down the list, and he paused just long enough to say, if you follow me, I'm going to bless you. If you don't, you're not going to be blessed. I'm going to keep going because this is where I really want to get to. How many of you guys have ever read Deuteronomy 28? And if you've ever been in a spirit-filled church, some pastor somewhere has got really excited and said, you're the head, not the tail. You're blessed going in, blessed going out. And everybody goes, woo, and everybody gets crazy. Come on. I've been in church my whole life. Y'all have never had that? And that's like everybody's favorite scripture. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going... I, man, they get crazy with it. And it's absolute true. We don't read past verse 7 or 8 because then he starts talking about, but if you fail to follow me and obey me, and then bam, 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 tragedy, mishap. Ah, it's terrible. It's terrible. And actually, I'm going to give you a homework assignment because that Deuteronomy 28, I was going to read the whole chapter, but you know what? I'm not going to insult your intelligence here. Go and read Deuteronomy 28. And if you do not see the big dichotomy between blessings and cursings, obedience and rebellion, I mean, it's just as plain as it's ever going to get. And you're like, oh, well, that's Old Testament. I'm going to get to that. Let's do this. Deuteronomy 30. I am going to read this one. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. It says, Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul so that you may live. The Lord your God will inflict all these curses on your enemies and all those who hate you, who persecuted you. And you shall again obey the Lord and observe all his commandments which I command you today. Then the Lord your God will prosper you abundantly in all the work of your hand, in the offspring of your body, and in the offspring of your cattle, and the produce of your ground. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good, just as he rejoiced over your fathers. If you obey the Lord your God and keep his commandments and his statutes which are written in this book of the law, if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and soul... For this commandment, now this is what I want you to hear. This commandment which I command you today is not too difficult for you. Come on, how many times have we gone, Oh Lord, this is too hard, I can't do it. 
Here's what the Bible says. This is not too difficult for you, nor is it out of reach. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will go up to heaven and get it for us? It is, nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will cross the sea for us to get it and make us hear it that we may observe it? But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart that you may observe it. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways and to keep His commandments and His statutes and His judgments, that you may live and multiply and the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you're entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you will not obey but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today you will surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you're crossing the Jordan to possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. And then he gave us the answer in case we were wondering. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice and holding fast to him. I mean, is this stuff hitting you? Like, I mean, when I read those words, I mean, this is, this is heavy stuff. It is not enough for us just to be Christian in name and even do good worship and, and even have great church services. Where the rubber meets the road is when we start living a life of obedience. How many of you guys agree with this? I hope so. It's the Word of God. I'm just going to read some more. There, there's so many. You remember Joshua chapter 1. If you will obey, it's the only place in the Bible that truly has the word success. You know, I kind of got burned out on all the, the success American theology a few years ago and just quit with it and did some other stuff. But honestly, if you obey God, you will experience some success. Now, we blew that way out of proportion and kind of made it the goal and the focus instead of love, but it is nonetheless true. If we will follow the Lord, we will have success in what we do. Isaiah 1, 18-20, everybody knows this scripture. Come, now let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. If you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse, you will be devoured by the sword. Truly the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I'm going to read a couple more of these, and then uh, we're going to do something different. Have you guys ever read Ecclesiastes? It's just an interesting little book. It was Solomon, and basically he went through his whole life, and he experienced everything that could be experienced. I mean, everything. I mean, he had all the money. He had all the women. He had all the power. He had everything you could have, and he basically, his conclusion was, all of this is vanity. All of this is a chasing after the wind. All of this is pointless. But this is the last verse of Ecclesiastes. I love this. He said, after 12 chapters of all this ranting and raving about it, he tried everything and it didn't work. Here's what he said. The conclusion when all has been heard is this. Fear God, keep his commandments, because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. So, I mean, we see this all throughout. But you guys are saying, hey, this is Old Testament. We're not under the law, man. Give me a break. All right, let's go to the New Testament. Romans 6, 12 through 19. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you obey its lusts. 
And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law but under grace. Well, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? May it never be! Exclamation point, Paul said. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one you obey, either of sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness? You remember the old, what was it, I think a Bob Dylan song, you've got to serve somebody. It might be the devil, it better be the Lord, but you've got to serve somebody. This is kind of an either-or thing. I, I know we like the gray area, and we would love for it to exist, but it doesn't. I hate to tell you that. We always think there's just like this neutral ground where I can just be me. No, you're always in the battle. You're, you're either following or you're, or you're not. I mean, it's always an either-or situation in that regard. But let me keep going here. The main thing that, that the Lord highlighted to me, and this was the scripture that someone posted on Facebook that, you know, was a confirmation of where we were going. Let's do a little bit of a case study here. You guys remember Saul and David. Everybody knows that Saul, you know, was made king. He was head and shoulders above the rest. Everybody loves Saul. And then we know that David was chosen by the Lord to replace Saul. We all know this. David was the man after God's own heart. Saul was kind of the guy that the people picked, you know, all that stuff. I'm just going to read the difference between David and Saul. We'll start with Saul first. Are you guys cool with all this scripture? Because, I mean, I think this is powerful. Let's, let's keep going with some scripture here. 1 Samuel 15, 10 through 23. And uh, if anybody wants notes after this, I can you know, email these to you so you can go back and read all these scriptures. But Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me, and he has not carried out my commands. See, what was the issue? Obedience, right there. And, and Samuel was distressed and cried out to the Lord all night. Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, and it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself and then turned and proceeded on down to Gilgal. Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have carried out the command of the Lord. This is Saul. He thought he had been obedient, right? But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears, the lowing of oxen which I hear? Saul said, Well, they've brought those from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, wait and let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And so, you know, Saul thinks it's going to be good. So he said, speak. Samuel said, is it not true, though, that you were little in your own eyes, you were made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed you as king over Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the Amalekites and fight against them until they are exterminated. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but rushed upon the spoil and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord? Now listen, Saul is still self-deceived. Saul said, I did obey the voice of the Lord and went on the mission which the Lord sent me and have brought back Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took some of the spoil, the sheep and the oxen, the choicest things devoted to destruction to give as sacrifice to the Lord your God. Here is the kicker. Here's what Samuel said. Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey 
is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. That's heavy, man. That's heavy stuff. You know what strikes me about this story? Usually when we get into sin, immediately, well, not really immediately, as we get further, we get into justification. Well, you know, I, I'm still doing what the Lord's telling me to do. So Saul said, I did obey. And the prophet pointed and said, no, you didn't. And the Lord's going to remove you from your place. I think a lot of times we deceive ourselves into thinking that we're obeying the Lord because we're trying to justify something we know way down deep is probably not right. Anybody follow me with that? We have got to be real. I mean, it's not like God doesn't see through you, okay? I mean, you're not going to hide. Just be real. But I'm going to contrast this with David. Let's just read just a few things from the Psalms. Here's just some excerpts from David, Psalm 119. And he was the man after God's own heart. Here it is. I shall delight in your commandments, which I love. And I shall lift up my hands to your commandments, which I love. And I will meditate on your statutes. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold. Yes, above fine gold. Therefore, I esteem right all of your precepts concerning everything. I hate every false way. Consider how I love your precepts. Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. Let's just keep reading some more of these. Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great spoil. I hate and despise falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day I will praise you because of your righteous ordinances. Those who love your law have great peace, and nothing causes them to stumble. When you do what God tells you, you have peace. When you don't, you don't. I mean, that's fairly obvious. I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and your testimonies, for all my ways are before you. Psalm 145, we'll keep going. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. The Lord is near to all who come up, call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desires of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. The Lord keeps all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy. This is David, I mean... This guy sounds like he's absolutely in love with obedience. Okay, now did David screw up? Yes, we know this. But he was also quick to repent. When Nathan the prophet came to him, what did he do? He fell down, and he, in Psalm 51, one of the best psalms in there, Oh God, you know, forgive me, deliver me. I mean, he was just so repentant. Now he still had consequence, we know. There's always consequence for sin and rebellion. But he was so quick to repent, Saul justified and said, I did do what the Lord told me. When David got busted, he admitted it. You hear what I'm saying? Saul said, no, I'm still good. I'm doing what the Lord told me. David said, no, you got me. I'm busted. I'm done. And he repented. It's just a different nature. And so I really hope and pray that myself and all of us would be much more like that heart of David than that heart of Saul. I'm just going to read a couple more things. Believe it or not, I'm almost done. Here's record time. A couple things that are interesting to me. There are a couple things in the, in, in the Word of God that it says we are forbidden to love. It's, it's pretty interesting. I just picked out two of them. There may be more, but here's a couple. Things we are forbidden to love. 
Let's go to 1 Timothy 6, 7 through 10. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we can take nothing out of it either. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and, by, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. Matthew 6, this is Jesus' red letters saying the same thing. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth. Here's what's bizarre to me. You would think it's the only time Jesus said you can't serve two things. Why didn't he say you can't serve God and blank? You can't serve God. He could have filled that blank with like a hundred things, right? Why was it wealth? Here's the reason. Money is the number one false god. Here's what I mean by this. I used to work for a guy that was very wealthy, and he asked me a question one day. He said, what answers 99 out of 100 questions? And I thought, God. He said, no, money. I said, that's why it is your god. This was my boss, but it, it was cool. Uh, but no, I mean, there was his god because all of his needs were met by money, not by the Lord. And it's real tricky because, I mean, you can definitely have a lot of money and, and love God first. And I re, I'm actually praying the Lord gives me millions of dollars because i got a lot of stuff to do. I'm not talking about buying houses and cars. i got a lot of ministry stuff to do. So I'm not opposed to God giving people money. What I am saying is you can't love it. You can't love it. It's got to be take it or leave it, baby. Open hand. I got it. I don't got it. I got it. I don't got it. It's got to be open hand policy. Is this making sense? And I'm not against blessing. Don't, don't misunderstand me. God does bless us. But what I'm saying is we can't love it. Here's another interesting thing that, that the Word says not to love. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, it is not from the Father, but it is from the world. This world is passing away and all of its lusts, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. So we said before, it's all about doing the will of God. If we are enamored by the world, we're really going to have a hard time loving God because God is eternal. If we get so focused just on our present little short 60, 70, 80 years, we're really going to miss a lot of important stuff. And I know there's responsibilities. There's things we have to do, but we can't love the world. James 4.4, 4, if it wasn't clear in that scripture, here it is again. You adulterers, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. I'm not making this up. This is the Bible. And I think sometimes we just don't think this way. I guess that's why Paul said, renew yourself, renew your mind in the Word. That's why in Ephesians 5 it says we're washed by the water of the Word. We have got to get this to change the way that we see the world, not our perspective of the world changing the Word. I think we get that really backwards sometimes. We're going to follow the Word or we're going to follow the world. And I told the youth one time, there's only one difference between those words, the letter L. You know, the kids all go like this, that means loser. You follow the world, that's, that's where you end up. That L that's in there, you get it? Anyway, maybe that's not cool anymore. That's what we used to do. Loser. Anyway, I'm a little older than these guys. 
Hey, let me tell you the good news. I think anybody that's been saved wants to obey God because the Holy Spirit's in you, and the Holy Spirit wants to obey God. I mean, that's the good news, is we're not left, you know, by ourselves here. Let me read some scripture. Remember I was telling you about John. He's my favorite. 1 John 4, 7 through 21. And this is one of the last ones, and then we'll be done here. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins, meaning a substitute for our own sin. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and that He in us because He has given us His Spirit. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He is in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. And again, he says, God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Here is the point. We love God because he first loved us. This is the key. Number one, God's not hard to love because he's absolutely amazing. But the reason we love him, what did the Bible say? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we had, done, we had not done one good thing, nothing to even merit any kind of favor from a holy God, he sent Jesus Christ to die instead of us. We should have been the ones. We know this is just the basic gospel. We know this. This is why we can love God. This is why we can obey God because we observe that amazing love toward us and it changes our hearts and we want to obey. This is the way this thing works. I'm going to read one last scripture. This is 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. It says, For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. This is how we obey God, is we behold his love for us. You remember I said earlier about Father God and then Satan leading a rebellion. This is the only way we get this right is by staring at the Father and understanding how deeply and truly we are loved. It's the only thing that fixes all of our problems. Until we get this, we will constantly pursue everything that is a lesser purpose. And I'm not saying there's not other things we have to do, but this has to be priority. This has to be first. If we're not loving God beyond everything else, I'm telling you, when we get to the end of the day, it's going to be worthless. And I don't want to get, you know, on this side, on the other side and say, Lord, I did all this awesome stuff. And he's going to ask me, basically, did you love? 
Did you love me? Did you love people? And that's kind of the whole thing we're going to be judged on. Not how impressive our ministries were, not how much money we made, not how you know, popular we got with people, not whatever. That's all very frivolous to the Lord. What's going to matter is did we love? I'm going to show a video right now. It's an eight-minute video. And after this video, I just want to pray for us. I really believe uh, in church sometimes, you know, it's, it's hard for us to get real because, you know, we're all good Christian people, right? Come on, we all struggle. The Bible says we all stumble in many ways. That's Scripture. I really believe that the Lord is pricking our hearts this morning to bring us into more obedience. And that doesn't mean you're out doing wild and crazy stuff, but, but you know your own heart and you know the Lord and you know the things that He deals with you on. And so after we watch this video, I would just encourage, I mean, all of us really, I mean, we're all in the same boat here, let's really just come up to this altar and just, if there's something that we need to just get right or just, Lord, I want to be more obedient in this area. We know where the Lord deals with us. I mean, nobody has to tell us. We know where He's dealing with us. Let's just watch this video, Thomas, if you'll go ahead and hit that. And then I just want to pray for us here at the end.
This is love. <laughs> what can you say? Man. Let's just respond to his love this morning. And let's just, all of us search our hearts, and let's just repent of stuff that we need to deal with, and let's, let's resolve to be more obedient and to express our love back to him. Because, you know, we can never repay that. But the only thing we have to give is ourselves. It's the only thing that we can give is us. So this morning, just, just come on up here. We'll probably just play some music in the background, maybe put you know, a CD, or you can even play that song over again and let it just play whatever, but um, we're not going to have a big flashy thing. Just, just come up here and let's, let's meet with the Lord. And let's let Him love on us and let's change anything in our hearts that we need to change this morning. I'm going to pray too. Lord, we thank you for your great love for us, God. We thank you, God, that you sent Jesus Christ to die such a cruel death, God, for our sin, for our disobedience, for our rebellion. Lord God, you, you, you did something that we could not do. You paid a debt that we could not pay. And Lord, the only thing that we can give you is us. The only thing that we can give you is ourselves. The only thing we can give you is our obedience and our allegiance. And so this morning, God, we just, fresh and new, God, we just come and we say, Lord, search our hearts, God. Find every way in us, God, that, that is disobedient, that is rebellious, that is not following your voice and not following your word. Lord, you, you know us inside and out. Lord, reveal to us, God, the areas of our life. Convict us, Holy Spirit, and help us to be an obedient people. Help us to be a people that truly love God, not just in some churchy way, or not just through music, or not just in, in the traditional sense of thinking about it. But Lord, let us be a people that love you indeed, and in obedience, Father. 
break our hearts this morning, God, for the things that break your heart. Help us to love the things you love and to hate the things that you hate. Lord, search out the areas of compromise in our own hearts and help us, God, to repent. Help us, God. You know that we are but flesh. You know that we are but dust. You know that we are weak. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us, Holy Spirit, to repent and to follow you and to be obedient so that we can live in all that you've created us to be, that we can live in the blessings and in the abundance and in the power and in all of the awesome stuff that you give us. Lord, help us. Holy Spirit, if we only get one thing in life right, help us to learn how to love. Help me, God, to learn how to truly love you and how to truly love others, God. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us, Holy Spirit. You can just play that other song again in the background. You guys are, are, are free to go if you need to whenever, but just don't miss an opportunity here to really just let the Lord minister to you. He's not here to beat us up. He's here to fix us. Lord, we just surrender. We just surrender to you, Lord. something with a lobe, some body organ, or even earlobe, come on up, and then the Lord wants to, t uh, wants to touch you, heal you, um, but come on up if you need prayer for anything, okay, thank you.